So um, we started a series uh, last week, and we began to, to look at, and, and I'll let you know that I love coffee. I love it so much that uh, on Thursday I had three different meetings uh, within about uh, five hours of each other, and at every meeting I had coffee. Um, and it was just, you know, just from one place to another. Three different restaurants, three different types of coffee. Uh, and, and, and I love visiting different places and trying their coffee. I love to be able to... Um, look at that. We've got power. Uh, I love to be able to... Uh, some of y'all didn't even know that TV was there, did you? But I love to go different places and try different coffee. And, and I've been known to walk into a place and, and just take a, a, a drink of coffee and be like, oh, that's no good. Just dump it out. Uh, but there's something, and of those three places that I went, uh, you can guarantee that I was rating uh, their coffee to see which one I liked the best. And I've been known to walk in and, and take a sip of coffee and push it back and say, just, can you bring me something else? Because I'm a coffee snob. But I begin to, to realize that there's something about just going drinking coffee by yourself. It's not as much fun. I don't enjoy it as much because I love sitting down with people and enjoying a, a cup of coffee, enjoying and having conversation. Uh, just this week, I, I met with a, a pastor of a successful church here in the tri-state area, and we sat down for about two hours drinking coffee and just talking about and me picking his brain and saying, you know, well, how do you do this and what do you do there? And there's, there's, we had a lot of conversation. Uh, we were, and he was able to give me some encouragement and some advice. So when we begin to think about this series, I thought, what would it be like if we could sit down with people in the Bible? People who faced all kinds of things. Many of them failed during their life. Many of them had situations that seemed impossible. And all throughout the Scripture, we see these people. And I thought, what would it be like if we could actually sit down with them and allow them to tell us and give us some advice? What would it be like if we could sit down with them and allow them to give us some encouragement? And we looked at that many of these people are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, which has been called the Hall of Faith. Faith. Because these people that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, they were faced with things that seemed impossible. But the writer of Hebrews allows us to know that it was because of their faith because of the trust that they placed in God, that they were able to overcome the situations. And so there are life lessons that we can learn from these people. As we get into to Hebrews chapter 12, and they begin to talk about, and we realize that there are things that, that we have to throw aside. There are things that we have to understand that we are in a race, and that race is not easy. And there are times in our life that we have to throw off the things that, that get us off track and off focus. You see, the enemy will come to you in any way that he can and try to get you to lose focus. He wants you to look at the things over here that aren't right and the things over here that are bothering you. And he wants you to take your eyes off of the prize. He wants you to take your eyes off of what it is that God has for you. 
And it's sad to say that many times we fall for his tricks. Many times we start looking at him and he starts whispering in our ear. And he begins to say, well, you're doing this wrong. Or he begins whispering in our ear and say, well, that, they don't like you. And he starts to whisper in our ear and we take our mind and our focus off of what our job and our purpose really is. But these people that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, they are those people that have been there and done that. So every week, we're going to pull out a hero of faith. And we're going to look at what it would be like if we could sit down over a cup of good coffee and have conversation. Last week, we looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how the angel came to her and presented her with her God moment. He came to her and said, listen, this is what I have for you. And she had to make a decision. And, and what he told her was something that seemed impossible. She said, how can I be with the child when I've never been with a man? But she began to realize, and this was something that was very uncomfortable for her. And she had doubts and she had questions. But we talked about what she did. She chose to believe God. And I told you to write this down. Blessed are those who believe. Blessed are those who believe. Because with man it seems impossible. But the Bible tells us that with God it is possible. So this week we're going to look at someone who is actually listed in this passage of Scripture. And it's Samson. Now you wouldn't think that he would be there. Because Samson got it wrong most of the time. He was full of dishonesty. He ran with the wrong crowd. He disobeyed his parents. He got it wrong. He got with Delilah. He shares the secret to his anointing and his strength. They cut off his hair. She did. They called the Philistines. They gouged out his eyes. They hooked him up like an oxen at a grain mill. And never. He's found in the hall of faith. He loses his eyes. He cannot see. But if we were able to sit down with Samson, I believe he would tell us this I was blind long before I lost my eyesight. I was blind long before I lost my eyesight. I was blind to the enemy's attempt to ruin my life. I didn't navigate it well. And I think that, that he would say that, that you don't have to, to lose your eyes to be blind. Sometimes there's things that, that we just can't see. And that's what church is about. That's why we come here and get together. It's so that hopefully we can get a fresh perspective on life. And hopefully when you leave here on a Sunday morning or, or a life group on a, on a Wednesday, you will leave and say, you know what? I haven't really seen it that way before. Because sometimes with our eyes, everything seems dark. But we know that the Word of God lights our path. And there are times that we cannot see and we do not see things clearly on our own. 
And there's things that we can be blind to, even though we may have 20-20 vision in the, in the physical. We can be blind, first of all, to God's purpose for our life. Blind to God's purpose for our life. Here is Samson. He, he had God's supernatural strength, and he simply tossed it away. He tossed it away. I mean, an angel comes to his mom. And she said, the son, a Nazarite vow, don't cut his hair, was one of those things that in order for the Nazarite vow. He's going to be a leader as a judge. He's going to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And he had all of these things in his life, all of this purpose, but he never really saw his calling clearly. He was going through life without realizing how much his life really mattered. And you see, you have as much call on your life as he had on his life. You have as much call on your life that I have on my life. But the problem is, is we can go through our lives very nonchalantly, not understanding and not realizing the purpose that God has for us. But when you begin to realize that, you start to make better choices. I mean, there's choices in my life that I make because I have a sense of purpose. But when you don't see that, then you don't make the right choices. And that's what we're going to see about Samson. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. You see, a lot of times we go through life thinking that our choices and that our lives do not matter. And we say, it doesn't really matter where I go, what I do, who I marry, what kind of career I pursue. And we just live our life trying to please ourselves, and we do not see God's vision for our life. And I want to tell you this morning, if you are living that way, then you're in danger. If you're living outside of your purpose and the will of God for your life, you're going to live a life that will never satisfy you. You're going to live a life that no matter how much you achieve, you're still going to feel empty. No matter what you do, no matter what accolades you may lay hold to, you're going to feel empty. You see it all the time. You see superstars and, and people who are famous and they've got everything at their beck and call, but they're empty. They turn to, to drugs or to suicide or, or they just become so depressed because they're empty even though they have everything that they probably ever thought that they needed. And the same thing will happen to us because if we do not have a, a sense of purpose, if we cannot see God's vision for our life, if we do not know our unique purpose. And here at Gateway, that's something that we want to do because we understand the importance of knowing and finding and realizing your purpose in life because the enemy does not want you to find it. He wants you to just to wander through life and never find that purpose. Never get to the point that you're on the path of fulfilling God's call and will in your life. And your calling and your purpose is unique. And that's why that we started doing a, a growth track here. Because the first part of that, it tells you about the church. But the second part 
It helps you to identify your purpose, to become involved, to become doing something. You know, as being in ministry for as long as I've been in ministry, I've realized something. The people who find their purpose and they start serving and they start doing things, they're a lot happier than those people who don't. Sure, there may be Sundays that you're thinking, man, i got to go sit with those kids again. But at the end of it, they think, man, I've got a purpose. And then there's people who just show up on Sundays. And Monday through Saturday, they're just miserable. Why? Because they haven't found their purpose. They are blind to God's purpose in their life. The second thing is, is we can become blind to the power of relationships. Blind to the power of relationships. How many of you, your parents told you growing up that, that you are who you run with? They may have put it in a different vernacular, but that's, that's basically the way that my parents told me. You are who you run with. And you begin to realize that, that bad relationships are powerful in a bad way. But just the opposite of that, good relationships are powerful in a good way. In Judges chapter 14 verse 2, we read a little bit of this story. It's talking about Samson. It says, when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of your, our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. How many people know she wasn't really the right one? So here he tells his parents that he doesn't want to follow God's law. He doesn't want to stay within his race. And this wasn't a, a racial thing. This was like in the New Testament when it says that Christians should not be yoked, which means married to non-Christians. Boy, I could preach a sermon right there. Because being a, a, a youth pastor... And being in ministry, I have watched. You guys, I'm glad you're in here this morning. Look right here. I have watched somebody grow up and they're in church and they're doing all the right thing, but then Mr. Right in your eyes or Mrs. Right and you hook up. And the next thing you know, your poor youth pastor never sees you again. You disappear and then the next thing you know, you're going down the path. That's not even in my notes. That's just free. The Bible's not being restrictive when it says that. It's being protective. It's trying to protect you from what the enemy wants to do to you. And that is to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Now, I can talk to the teens, but there's some singles out here that we can talk about the same thing. So in this passage of Scripture, he saw a Philistine woman. And his dad said, can't you just find somebody? And what did he say? No. It was the worst choice of his life. 
Because he would spend the rest of his life being defined by his relationships. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, if you get with the wrong people, you're going to be in a mess. Relationship decisions are so vitally important. And you need to learn to to lean into the wisdom of people in your life. You need to have people in your life who will speak into your life and who you give the power to speak into your life. And that when they see you start to make wrong decisions... That if they come to you and tell you, you're not doing this right and you're making a mistake, that you just don't cut them off. And say, well, that's not what I want to hear, so we're done. Don't talk to me. I'm going to do what I want to do. You need to listen to godly people in your life. Because a lot of times, you cannot see your life clearly. You need another set of eyes. I think it was Taylor Swift that said when you're 15 and someone tells you that they love you, you believe them. What a great philosopher she is. Can I tell you, at 15, they don't love you. Man, I'm all over the place this morning. That extra hour of sleep, maybe we shouldn't have that every week. But here we are, and Samson was blind to it. He disregarded his parents He disregarded the advice of the people in his life. He was blind to the power of relationships. Thirdly, he was blind to the nature of God. He was blind to the nature of God. You see, he had this anointing that gave him strength. And Delilah wanted to know what the source of his strength was. So here he is, he's with the wrong person, he's a liar, because he would continuously lie to her. But even though he did, God's presence was with him. He knew he was sinning, he knew he was doing wrong, but God was still with him. Because the Bible says that every time, every time that he would tell her a lie about the secret to his strength, every time he would go out. And he would conquer the Philistines. God was still with him. Can I tell you that there are times in our life that we are sinning. We're doing things that we know that aren't right. But God is still with us. Why? Because we serve a loving and a generous and a forgiving God. And so over and over and over again, even though Samson was doing wrong, God's presence was still with him. And we do the same thing. There's something in our lives that we know and and we say, well, well, God will forgive me again. God will forgive me again. So in this last moment, she put him to sleep on her lap. And she called for someone to, to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And at that moment, his strength left him. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. They're here. And Samson thought that it would be just like every other time. He thought it will be just, I'll get up and and, and I will conquer them and I'll kill them just like I've done every time before. I'm going to go out and do it just like before. And he didn't realize that God had left him. He didn't understand. 
And so at that moment, they took him prisoner. You see, he didn't respect the nature of God. I mean, we all the time are preaching about the goodness of God. And we all know that God is good. But God is also a just God. He's also a holy God. He's also one to be honored. He's also one to be respected. He's one to be believed. And we we have to, to learn to walk in the fear of the Lord. And what that means is we have to have a healthy respect for Him. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. It says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. He said, there's going, there's going to be a time. Now, there, So that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we know that we have grace. In Romans chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And we have to understand in our lives that there's things that we need to clean up. There are things that that we are continually turning to and going back to and we just continue to rely on the loving and the goodness and the mercy of God. And He is always there. And He gives us that. But there will come a time There will come a time that you will end up paying for the sin that's in your life. Because it comes with consequences. And that's what happened to Samson here. He kept trying God. He kept asking for forgiveness. But there come a point. They said, okay. There's consequences. I still love you. I'm still here. But there's consequences. How many people, if you could ask Samson, Samson, if you would have known the path that you were walking down would have put you being like an ox at a grain mill with no eyesight, would you have continued down that path? He may not have been too bright. I don't know that. In Carmen's song, it doesn't make him sound real bright. Those of you my age will get that. Maybe. But I believe Samson said, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't have kept trying God. If I would have known that the consequences for my choices, if I would have known the consequences to being blind to my purpose, if I would have known the consequences to the power of bad relationships in my life, I would not have went down that path. If I would have known that God would have, I would have got to a point that God would let me see what it was like without His Spirit, I would have never done it. So as we get to the Bottom of our cup of coffee. I believe Samson would leave us with some words of encouragement. Some words of wisdom. And the first thing I believe that he would say is, is protect the presence of God. Protect the presence of God. Do whatever it takes to gain the favor of God on your life. How many people want God's favor? We want God's favor, but so many times we're not willing to do what it takes. You say, what does it take? 
First of all, God is attracted to obedience. I mean, He's told us the stuff to do. He's told us the things that we need to be doing in our life. If you want to protect the presence of God, just do it. Some of us walk around in complete disobedience to what God's commands and God's Word tells us to do. Protect the presence of God in your life. Spend time in prayer. Spend time reading the Bible. I don't care if it's a chapter, a book, or just a verse. Be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your money. Be willing to serve. And there's some of you here this morning, you say, I just don't feel God's presence. You ever been there? I have. There's been times in my life that I think, God, where are you? I don't feel you. I can't see you. In those moments, He's told us what to do. And it's so simple. It's so simple. He said, when you don't feel my presence, I'm there, but maybe you can't feel it. He says, come near to me. Come near to me. Draw near to me. Stop being sporadic in your time that you spend with him. Stop being sporadic in your church attendance. Be willing to take the next step. Because what happens when you take a next step that we talk about around here? That step's not just toward the church. That next step is toward in your relationship with God. And some of us have been stuck for years. We come to a point and, and, and we start following Christ and then it's just like we get semen in our shoes. Here I am, God. I'm going to stay right here till you come. Everybody has a next step. No matter how long you've been, if you've been serving God for two minutes or for 20 years or for 50 years, you have a next step. If you're here this morning and you're not serving God, you have a next step. And when you don't feel the presence of God, just draw near to Him. It works. It works. There was a day this week. It was, I, it was a horrible day. Anybody ever had a horrible day? I had a day this week that it was just horrible. It, was, it seemed like bad news after bad news. One of those days that as much as I'm connected to technology, I would just wanted to turn my phone off. And I was sitting in my car waiting for an appointment. I thought, God, where are you? What is going on here, God? And my wife has a playlist. We share an account. And I, I ain't talking to you, Siri.
It's okay to laugh in church. We may have needed that just to break the tension. But I turned on that playlist, and the song that came on was a song that we talked about last week. And there's a, a, two lines in that song, and it said, Even when I don't see you, you're working. Even when I don't feel you, you're working. And it says you never stop. You never stop working. And in that moment, I began to draw close to him. And when my appointment was over, I listened to that song eight or nine times as I drove. It was on repeat all day long. But you know what it did? It gave me a new perspective. It gave me a new perspective. And I began to draw close to him. And my evening was a whole lot better than my day. The next day was a whole lot better than the previous day. We've got to learn to put God first. We've got to learn to, to draw close to him. And I believe Samson would tell us that. Protect the presence of God. Secondly, we need to choose our relationships carefully. I believe Samson would say, just as we talked about, I believe he would say, I made my biggest mistakes in my life in this aspect of my life. I believe he would say, don't just take the relationships that come to you. Can I tell you that the enemy will send you relationships to destroy you? And we're sitting there, and the relationship, you don't even go looking for it. They come to you. And you can see all the warning signs, and you can see everything, but you think, well, maybe this was God. Maybe they sent, and I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. Listen, ladies, there's women that you can be around that are just bad for you. Guys, there's guys that you can be around that they're just bad for you. And I believe Samson would say, don't just take the relationships that come to you, but you pick them. Be selective. There's some of you here this morning that you need better relationships. Some of you, you need to get out of bad relationships. You need to learn to, to nurture the important ones. To restore the broken ones. To sever the harmful ones. And to initiate meaningful ones. All about relationships. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise. And you'll become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. You don't have to raise your hand, but I believe that if we did, many of us would say that we have lived this verse. We have suffered harm from the companion of fools. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
why is it? Why is it that when things start going array in our life, things start going wrong, I can't comprehend why it is that our tendency is to run away from God. I don't understand it. But my prayer is, is that we can get a revelation of understanding that when in those times it tells us to run to the rock, run to him, draw near to him. Be aware of what the enemy is trying to do in your life. Don't let him do it. Don't let him win. Find people in your life. Be around people that will encourage you, that will lift you up, that will pick you up when you fall. Be around those kind of people. Not giving up meeting together. That's, I mean, that could be, we could be talking about that on a Sunday morning. But I'm even talking about in relationships in your life. I've watched it so many times. We'll be, have a relationship with someone that we're very close to and things start going wrong and then you, that relationship just ceases. They stop. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We need to break some habits. We need to break some habits. Make good relationship choices. I believe the last thing that he would tell us I believe this was, I mean, because you think about it, you think, why in the world is Samson on this list? Why is he on this list? I mean, he just did things wrong and after time, after time, after time. But you begin to look at it and, and a lot of them, they weren't known for how they lived their life. They were known for how they finished their life. You see, Samson finished his life strong. So I believe the third encouragement that he would give us is, is that failure is never final. Failure is never final. So he is, he's, here he is at the mill. He's walking in a circle. He has no eyesight. He's being treated like an animal. And it says he prayed. He prayed. Judges chapter 16, verse 28, it says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. You see, we serve a God that we can mess up the whole thing. We can mess up the whole thing. And we can end up being in a place just like Samson was. At the lowest point that he never imagined he could ever get to that point. But we serve a God that we can cry out to him. And he said, just once more. We serve a once more kind of God. God, I need you. God, I need you. Just once more. And God answered his prayer. And as we read the story, we 
figure out that in that moment that Samson pulled down the temple. That he pulled it down. And that he destroyed more enemies in that one act, in that moment. When he said, God, just one more time. Then he did his entire life. You're going to experience failure in life. You're going to make bad decisions. You're going to make bad choices. You're going to have things that you wish you could have a do-over. If you're a golfer, you wish you could have a mulligan. But God is a one more, once more kind of God. And when you have failure in life, it's tragic because you are going to pay the price. I mean, Samson had to pay the price. Because you reap what you sow. But God is a God of the second chance. And failure is only final when you refuse to get back up. And there's some of you here this morning that you need to get back up again. You've been knocked down. You're discouraged. You're worn out. You think, I, I just might as well give up. Somebody here needs to get up again. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. Paul said, I was the chief of sinners. I was a failure. But he said, for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that Christ Jesus could display his patience. There's some of you here this morning that you need to get back up. There's some of you that you just need to go all in with him. You're just, you're playing games. If I can just be quite blunt. You need to go all in with him. You need to put him first. You need to make a decision. And you need to understand that failure isn't final. You can't get the best of God just only giving half. You heard the saying that says, you will get out of it what you put into it. It works with God that way too. You can get as close to God as you want to get. But it's understanding. It's understanding that you have a purpose. The enemy wants to lie to you and make you think and tell you that you're worthless. But you're not. You have a purpose. The enemy will lie to you. And you're sitting there right now. No doubt in my mind. And you're thinking, I tried it before and I just keep failing. I've tried it before. I've been to the altar before. I've cried out to him before. But I keep failing. 
we serve a once more kind of God. And he says, failure is never final. It's only final when you give up. It's only final when you give up. I like to think of it like a Anybody watch wrestling? Anybody used to watch wrestling? Now we're not talking about talking like collegiate wrestling. That's no fun. But man, I used to love it so much when they would just beat the guy to death. Ric Flair's just bleeding everywhere. That big old sweaty, stinky, smelly, dusty roads would get on top of him and pin him down and you'd watch the referee and be like one two and he would kick out of it and he would get back up the match was never over until he just laid there and said you know what I give up I quit I surrender And when he did that, it was over. And I can tell you this morning that it's the same way in our walk with God. You're going to get beat up. You're going to bleed. You're going to hurt. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to think, I can't do it. But I believe Samson would give you some words of encouragement and say, failure is never final. Until you quit. Samson could have quit. He could have spent the rest of his life walking in circles. Blind, hurting, discouraged. He could have spent the rest of his life walking in circles. He didn't have to pray this. But he said, you know what? I see now. Even though I'm blind, I see I see my purpose. My purpose was to destroy the Philistines. And in that moment, that's when he prayed. He said, God, just one more time. And he died a hero. He died fulfilling his purpose. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I have never made a decision to follow God. I've toyed around with the idea. I've even thought about it. But I've never really made that decision to go all in with him. And the most important thing that we can do in this service is to give you an opportunity just to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I've never made that decision. But I need him. I need him. 
I need him to come into my life. Would there be just one? Wait in just a moment. Thank you. Anybody else? Would there be just one? Pastor, I've never made that decision. The awesome thing is, is that when the Bible tells us that all that we have to do is to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that He's Lord. And at that moment, you become part of the family of God. It's that easy. He didn't make it hard for us. He said, just believe. Just believe. You might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I've got good eyesight in the natural. But I can't, I don't know what my purpose in life is. I feel like that I'm just like Samson and I'm just walking in circles. Same thing day after day after day after day. I can't see in the supernatural. I can't see in the spiritual. I don't know what my purpose is. If you're here this morning, you say, that's me. You just slip up your hand. I don't know what my thank you. I don't know what my purpose is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all across this auditorium. Thank you. God wants you to find your purpose. You will never be satisfied in life until you find your purpose. Thirdly, you may be here this morning. You may say, Pastor, that's the way that I feel I feel like a failure and it seems like that I'm just to the point I'm ready to throw up my hands and walk away from it all you're not here this morning by accident God wants you to know Failure is never final unless you give up. It doesn't matter how much you're bleeding. It doesn't matter how much you're hurt. It doesn't matter how discouraged you are. It doesn't matter how much anxiety you have. Failure is never final until you give up. And there's some of you that come in this morning and you're knocked down. And that referee, he's done counted two, and he's on his way down to number three. But you're here. You're here, which means that the three count hasn't been had yet. 
through, Samson would tell you, get up. Pray that prayer. God just wants more. Just wants more. If that's you, slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, I'm just to the point I'm ready to quit. My prayer is that maybe this morning that you've heard something to make you see things more clearly. Maybe you walked in here feeling like that you have no hope. But my prayer is is that right now you understand that there's hope. Ask everybody to stand. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand, if you raised your hand for any of those reasons, I'm going to ask you to be man, woman enough. take your next step what is that next step it's being willing to take a step out of your seat to come and stand or kneel at this altar so that one of those scriptures that we talked about we talked about encouraging each other praying for each other we have a prayer team that every morning they bathe this service in prayer because we understand that without prayer there's nothing that's possible and they've already been praying for you maybe not specifically but they've been praying for you in this service that God and your eyes would be opened and that your heart would be receptive so if you raised your hand, your next step is, is to come down to this altar and allow them to pray for you personally. And allow us to agree in prayer. And allow you to leave here with a different perspective on life. Now right now the enemy is telling you, you're looking at your watch and you're thinking it's 12.07. They don't have time to pray with me. The enemy's telling you you've tried it before. The enemy's telling you everybody will be looking at you. Can we just say it like it is? If you're feeling those things, that isn't God. It's not God. Because God said, draw near to me. Let me tell you who it is. It's the same one that's been fighting you day after day after day after day. It's the same one that's been telling you to give up. It's the same one that this word declares is the father of lies. That's who he is. And he wants to keep you from realizing your purpose. He wants to keep you from getting back up. He wants to keep you from admitting 
that you're at that point in life. But what God wants and what you need are people who are lifting you up in prayer. And people that are saying, I know you're hurting. I know you're bleeding. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help you get up. I'm going to help wipe off the blood. And we're going to go on together. So if you raised your hand, I'm going to pray. And to be honest, before you even raised your hand, I could come down and pull you out. Because I know, I know your hurts, I know your pains. But I believe God is saying, you take the step. You take the step of faith. see what he'll do. So as I pray, I'm going to ask you to come. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. God, you see every person that raised your hand. God, you see the lies that the enemy continues to whisper in their ears. But God, you have told us in your word that you are greater than anything that we can face. That if you're living in us, that there's nothing that this world can do to defeat us as long as we are trusting and believing and putting our hope and our confidence in you. God is... These people that you love, these people that you sent your son to die on the cross for, as they have stepped out and they have taken an initiative to draw close to you, God, I pray right now, Father, that your Holy Spirit will just engulf them with your love. God, for those that are here that are at the point that they don't feel your presence, God, let them know that you're there. God, for those who are, who are still standing, Holy Spirit, speak to their lives. Allow them to know that they can't do it on their own. Allow them to know they're not going to make it without you. God, for those who are at the point of ready just to give up, Father, I pray right now, Satan, I come against the lies in the name of Jesus. Oh,